I hate to interrupt your conversations, but it is time to start our last dental session. And um, <clears throat> so we can get out in time for, for supper. If you could uh, please take a seat and we'll have a word of prayer and get started. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for the things that we've learned today. We thank you for the experiences of life and for the privileges we have of serving the needs of our patients and our families and friends. I pray that you will bless this uh, session here as we share the ways you've led in at least the lives of two of us here. And uh, I pray that we might continue to learn and find ways to serve you better. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, um, the topic today is community service, community needs. And uh, I was asked to share how the Lord led and directed in um, my experience in serving the community in a way that uh, probably very few of you have uh, been called to do. Um, we went to a dark county after I finished school. We owed $30,000, which was too much for the general conference, to send us to mission service. And so my wife and I decided we'd go to mission service in our home conference, which was Arkansas and Louisiana. And um, we found a county that had no uh, Adventist witness and um, began a health ministry and a, and a church and later on a school and we had no intention of doing that originally. But um, <clears throat> it was the era when uh, it was unethical to advertise. Now, not many of you remember that period of time <laughs> way back then. And so it was suggested, you know, when you're starting a practice, and this was a scratch practice, I built my own office, spent the first six months out of dental school, you know, hammering nails and, and um, building the office according to the design that I had developed in my senior year of dental school. Anyway, um, so uh, one of the suggestions was get involved in the community. And so it wasn't long, I think I'd been practicing maybe a year, and someone in, uh, asked me to serve on the Housing Authority Board. And I said, well, whatever that is, I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. But um, the, the city had a, a low-income housing project of 20 or 25 pro uh, units, I guess, and, and so I served on that board, and it met every three months, I think it was, and I met with them twice. And then um, <clears throat> my receptionist, was the wife of a former mayor in the town, and uh, she suggested that I run for uh, city council because they really needed some, some help and leadership on the city council. Well, I prayed about it. Of course, that was never in my um, wildest dreams, but um, the Lord impressed me to, to, uh, to run for city council, and of course, I was elected. And one thing you'll find in a small town, and I was a town of about 800 people, um, there's always a leadership uh, void. And so uh, if, regardless of where you practice, if you want to uh, get your name in the public and you know, get some exposure, then it's good to serve in a public uh, way like this. So <clears throat> I served about 18 years actually on the city council, which was a commitment of about two hours a month. 
they had a council meeting, you know, second Tuesday of every month, and so I made almost all of those. <clears throat> and it wasn't long, though, before um, there was some some things going on. One of the council members came to me and said that uh, the uh, mayor, who was his uncle, was doing some things illegal and wanting me to take care of it. And, and so it took a while for me to figure out what was going on. Actually, he was drawing disability, and he was paying his wife for work that he was doing for the city on the side. And <clears throat> anyway, so um, when we figured this all out, we asked him to resign. And, and, um, and everyone thought that, uh, even though it wasn't public, that I wanted the job of mayor, and uh, which was far from the case. So as years went by, uh, I regularly declined every four years when the, uh, there was election for the mayor. <clears throat> and and um, during this time, we also f saw there was a tremendous need for a new city hall and fire station. And I won't even try to describe how deplorable what we had was. But um, <clears throat> the um, we had voted a, a half-cent sales tax to pay for a new city hall and fire station. After about five years or so, we had $50,000. And council wanted to build a nice farm-type building, just a little metal structure that would house the city hall and fire station. And I said, no, I'd really like to see uh, a nicer building. I'd like to get an architect and, and, and have a building we can all be really proud of. And uh, actually, in the back of my mind, I was also devising a uh, building that had large enough room for health education and evangelistic meetings and things like that as well. And um, <clears throat> so uh, they said, oh, no, we can't afford that. Let's just take the money we have and, and build what we can. And, and I said, well, uh, there's a foundation that was just uh, formed. Three little ladies that had owned the bank had, had sold it and formed a foundation. And I said, if I go to the Olds Foundation and ask them for $100,000 to build a new city hall, would you agree to get an architect and do something nice? And they said, yes, yeah, we would. So I went to these little ladies, and they said, oh, we'd be delighted to contribute $100,000 for a new city hall. And we'll do that under one condition. I said, well, what is that? They said, if you'll run for mayor. <laughs> and that was coming up that year. So I was kind of in a box. So um, that's how I became the mayor of, of the town. So um, <clears throat> anyway, my assessment was the, the city just needed leadership. And the overall attitude was we've never had anything. We never will. The city's going down the tubes, you know. And, and uh, so just coming along and saying, look, we can, do, we can do differently. You know, we can have something nice. So we built actually a 7,500-foot city hall and fire station, which included a room that would seat about 200 people. And we've done a lot of health education classes and uh, some evangelistic meetings. In fact, we're doing evangelistic meetings in that facility right now, five nights a week. And um, it's, it's been a tremendous blessing. Many pe some people have driven by thinking it's the county seat because it's such a, a nice, nice building. Well, we've done other projects. We've uh, restored the city circle. This uh, business area is built around a square with a circle in the middle, and we have a nice fountain with colored lights and, and period lighting around the outside. And, <clears throat> and that was about a two, $250,000 project that mostly paid for by the, um, by the federal government. But um, <clears throat> I was very blessed because 
and actually I shouldn't be talking about myself so much, but um, we, this foundation would, um, almost every project I came up with, they would help fund. What, when we ran out of money, they would help fund it. So it was, it was kind of nice. And as, as you look at a city's needs, there's needs for safe water, safe streets, recreation, opportunities, medical care, jobs, adequate education, and, and uh, uh, religious freedom. Well, we, um, I was also able to, um, there was a little medical clinic there that was sitting idle and I was able to find an Adventist physician that served the community for about 10 years, which was a, a tremendous blessing. And we um, also were able to build a city park with mostly state funds and this um, foundation funds as well. A really nice park with a fitness trail, quarter mile fitness trail around it. And um, it was all a, a real blessing. And one of the benefits to the Lord's work was that during this time we were also, the Lord had led us to start a school and we had an academy, um, began in 1988, about five miles out of town in the country. And way back when uh, David Koresh was in the news and all people were, the rumor going around was there's another Waco right out here. And uh, so my involvement in, with the city council really was a help to give people credibility that no, this isn't you know, uh, anything like that and the school has been involved in the community. We do community service days twice a year and helping the older people take care of their yards and houses and, and various things. So it, um, uh, it, it was a blessing in that it uh, squelched a lot of the rumors and um, a lot of the false ideas people had of who Seventh-day Adventists are. And um, <clears throat> we um, also, were, well, it, we, we found that we, uh, there's always an element of people who are not really, um, they're against or negative about just about anything. And uh, so everything was uh, really well. Most people that spoke to me were very appreciative of what, what, I, with the Lord's help, had done in helping the, the city visually and with, uh, you know, e economic development. We actually, um, the city hall and fire station, we um, borrowed money and, and about $500,000 and um, <clears throat> paid it off in 12 years. And so uh, the city is actually in excellent financial condition with many cities around us. Um, have borrowed millions of dollars and just barely paying the interest on our, on that or the the principal, but um, um, we but about two years before my last term, I was mayor for 16 years, and um, word got out that we were building a new Adventist church and it was going to be right on the main highway actually just uh, across the highway almost from my office. And um, uh, from then on, the last two years of my term, I experienced what uh, Paul tells us in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16, that all, all that do righteous will suffer persecution. And uh, it was really uh, quite an interesting experience. And the I felt that... Um, 
the um, desire on the part of some people, and granted it was mostly the, the rabble, but uh, we had a, um, a newspaper editor in little, our little town has a newspaper that circulates in about three counties, and this um, newspaper editor is a Church of Christ pastor and um, in, his, in his spare time, and um, he is quite prejudiced racially and also religiously as well. And I'm not sure which of his prejudices are stronger, Adventists or uh, <laughs> those of other races. But uh, anyway, the, those last two years, he never spoke to me once. He would publish just about anything anybody told him, which was often fallacious. And um, <clears throat> um, in, in fact, just a few weeks ago, someone told me that they understood that they were wanting to um, get rid of me and the school, that, and my school which, uh, of course, is also uh, just, I'm sure, a very small group of people. But um, nonetheless, as uh, the last, um, and the, the other factor going along with this was that there was a long-term employee of the city, something like 22 years, who was uh, very, treating the city very dishonestly, and um, I had been trying to tell the city council this for several years, and they didn't believe it. But finally, after things uh, came out the way they did, and actually uh, someone tried to burn down our house about two months before the end of my term, um, <clears throat> but that's another, another story we won't, we won't get into. But um, a week before my term ended, the council voted to hire somebody else to replace him, and my last day in office, I had to fire him and um, uh, hire this other, this other person. And so it was extremely stressful and uh, ended with uh, uh, a lot of relief that um, I was no longer the mayor. But during this, actually 30, 32 years of serving the community, I felt that it was a very positive thing and I would encourage any of you, even though um, you know there's a lot of dishonesty and, and ugly things going on in politics, but we can be a real light and a, a source of truth and righteousness in, in situations where oftentimes there isn't um, that much of that influence. But um, thankfully, the... Um, People in the community still stop me and tell me how much they appreciate what, what was done in the, in the community during, during those times. And we were able to leave the city with some good leadership. And strangely enough, the two people um, also during the last couple of weeks of all kinds of things going on, the city clerk resigned and um, the man we, that was hired for, to replace her is a pastor and the other water operator that was, was uh, hired is also a part-time pastor that was wanting to be able to work closer to the church that he was pastoring. And so um, um, it, it was a blessing to see ungodly people replaced by people that are, um, you know, at least standing for, uh, for Christian values and, um, and truth. So. That was a blessing. Um, in terms of 
what, um, what I learned from this experience is that uh, um, it's probably not good to take on so many things that at one time. And <clears throat> also that uh, if God calls you to, to serve your community, there are many ways that you can be a blessing and, and point others, have opportunities to point others to, uh, to truth and, and righteousness. And um, that's basically the experience that I've had in, in community service. And um, now Ronnie Holt is going to share what he has been doing. Thank you so much, Dr. Clark. I want to thank Audioverse, too, for all their hard work of putting our programs together. And that's the reason we're staying behind the mic, so we can make a smooth transition there. We've had some excellent, excellent from uh, our, our speakers here with Dr. Kim and uh, Dr. Chang and Dr. Clark. I want to thank them so much. It's just an excellent, uh, such a blessing to be a part of this. Um, let's just get a, this is a little bit more of an open discussion part of our time together now, but let's get a feel for who's in the room today. I'd like to know... How many of you are in private practice, a dentist in private practice? Okay. How many of you are a dentist and you work in a, uh, like a, with a corporation? That many? Okay. Any, any dental students? Okay, excellent. Praise the Lord for that. Okay, any other healthcare professionals besides dentists? Okay, great. Medical doctors, optometry? That's great. The one thing we have in common is we all have the ability to work with our communities. And of course, this lecture is you know, talking about how we can serve the Lord in our communities. The foundation really that's laid before us is like what Dr. Kim had mentioned earlier, is essentially you know, who we are, our core values. And that gives us the platform to you know, share the gospel. Um, I like to think of it as the three C's, which is very similar to what Dr. Kim had shared earlier. You know, our characters, you know, our competency and our compassion we have for others. You know, because if we don't, if we, if like he was sharing earlier, if we really don't have this, the skills, people aren't going to come back to you. And if you really aren't honest in your character, you don't really have anything to really share from. And if you're not really compassionate and caring about other people, they're not going to be really interesting here about the gospel. But once you have that relationship, that foundation laid, then we really have a platform in which we can share Christ in our communities, do we not? Like what Dr. Clark was sharing, you know, in his situation, his community, he actually was involved, you know, uh, politically in the community. What are some of the ways that you are now, who has been in the, for the people that held up their hand in private practice, medical or dental, how many of you have been in your area for longer than, say, 10 years? Okay, a number of you, right? How many of you longer than five years? Okay, how about less than five years? Less than five years, okay. It's interesting because it seems like in the experience, especially a lot of us that are in a private practice, whether it's in optometry, medicine, or dentistry, when you get involved in a community, the things like that we were talking about earlier as we've been building on, those take time, do they not? If we're, if we're bouncing from one place to another, they don't really have a chance to get to know people as well. Like, and we were just talking in between you know, times if we... You build up that, that rapport and that goodwill, and then when you're gone, it takes some time to regain that. Once we've had that time, whether it's you know, three or four years, five years, 10 years, uh, Dr. Clark, 30 years in his community, you know, that time that you're investing in there, 
you know, you're, you're, it's, uh, you have that chance to connect there. What are some of the ways you found those that are in these uh, communities? Let's get, a, let's get kind of an idea of the type of communities we're in. How many of you are in a community that is, um, say, 20,000 or smaller, kind of a small community? Okay, several of you are. Okay, how many of you are what you would consider more in a metropolitan, maybe 50,000 or larger? Okay, all right. So quite a few small communities and some large communities. Um, small communities, large communities, there's lots of ways we can minister in either, in either way. In our particular situation, I'll share, you know, just what the Lord has put in our situation. We're in a smaller community. Is when I came to an Amen conference, um, which was about ten years ago. How many of you guys, by the way, have been to? Uh, how many of you been to all the Amen conferences? Okay, just Chester on that one. How many of you been to, like, say, more than two or three conferences? Okay. How many of you? It's your first time conference. It's great. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, when I went to my first conference, as many of you guys may be there here the first time, it's like, wow, this is great. You know, sharing Christ in our workplace, using our offices, our professions as a way to share the gospel with others. And so we, each of us, as we will leave here, we take that home and, and prayerfully, how can the Lord use me, each of us, in our situation, in our, in our practice? whether you're in a private practice that you own, whether you're in a private practice maybe that you're partnered with with someone, small town, large town, wherever, wherever the Lord has placed us, you know, we are at the mission field that God's called us. Like Dr. Chang had said earlier, we've got mission field where we can actually go on mission trips. But for a lot of us, our mission field is right in the practice where he's placed us, the communities you know, that we're put in. And so as I was you know, taking the things that I learned from Amen, I was like, Lord, how can I apply these things? I started looking in my own office, you know, and there's resources here for that. Started looking at some of the literature I had in my office, and there's great resources for literature. Very simple thing, but how many of you that have a private practice have some of your, you know, some of the evidence literature, some of the publications we have here that you have out in your waiting room or whatnot? It's an excellent tool to use. You know, just, it's just sitting there, and people can take that. And it's an you know, opportunity that we can have from sharing from that. From those that have the literature, how many of you had an experience where you've had someone you've been able to make a contact with you know, personally because of that literature? Maybe someone's asked questions about it or you know, started a Bible study or you know, a, a, you know, a, an interest there. Um, that's a blessing. That's one small, simple tool. You know, it didn't, that was one of the things I could start with as I left Amen is I could you know, order some Signs of Time magazines, order some literature. There's some great things from, from Army, from, uh, you know, from the Adventist bookstore, and, and put out there, and it kind of opens that door. Um, another thing that uh, I got from when I was at Amen Conference 2 is when I was sharing with other uh, believers, I noticed that, um, that they, a lot of them had a very humble spirit in the way they uh, ran their practices. And I had to take a look at myself, like Dr. Kim was saying earlier, because the way I was running my own practice at that time, um, you know, I was not very humble, and I was making a lot of mistakes. And so I was wondering why I was having such a hard time, you know, you know, having staff stay around and have patients that would stay in the office and accepting treatment plans. And it was like we had, we had talked about earlier with so many blind spots I had in my own character. And so in praying to the Lord, asking the Lord to, you know, help guide and direct me, 
you know, it was great to, you know, see that a lot of it was in my, in my own life and how I was, uh, how I viewed the practice, how I was talking to my staff, how I was interacting with the patients. And so that time it came to be a great blessing as far as um, prayerfully considering um, looking, at, looking at the staff as not just someone who's working for me to help get a task done, but actually they're, it's kind of like, you know, as far as uh, our families are our first mission place at home, and then we go to the church. You know, our staff is kind of our beginning mission field in the office, you know, and then we go to our patients. And so, you know, treating the staff with kindness and uh, with respect and, the, you know, the, the impact that that started making in our relationship with them, the impact it started making in our work environment, and then, you know, with our, with our patients, with our community as people were coming in. And it was a slow process, of course. It wasn't something that just happened overnight, but it was a result of, you know, coming to some of the Amen conferences where we were able to start examining some of these things where we looked at what Dr. Kim called earlier our core values and how we can, you know, apply these things in our own life. And then it does help us in the business end, but also it can help us, you know, as we're, as we're ministering the community. Um, one of the things, you know, also as we grew, you know, we had the literature we put out there, our relationship with the staff, getting our mission statement placed, getting some things organized, starting to have a better you know, relationship with the patients. As time was going on, you know, the office did start to grow. And um, there was something that we went through a few years ago called uh, the recession. Some of you guys remember the recession? It was an interesting thing. It was at that time that really the idea of our practice being really our platform to preach came maybe more clear to me you know, during that time because as we started having a lot of, our town was very small, as we started having a, a situation where a lot of the patients were not able to pay for their care, they weren't getting the dental care at that time, but there was still a lot of need. And it was also a lot of families in the community that were actually, you know, were unemployed and were having a hard time even having food on their table. And so the Lord had gave us an idea, actually through our staff, of having a program called a community food drive. And so in our office, what we did is, you know, for a period of time during recession, uh, we had, it, it, at the beginning, it was like for a month, if the patient would bring in 20 food items for the office, we would give them a $100 voucher towards, you know, treatment. And so it was an idea of trying to help keep their relationship with the patient, helping them to, you know, get some of their cost, helping the food bank, you know, because they kept advertising in the newspaper, we don't have food, we need food, there's a lot of need in the community, so it allowed, you know, the you know, food to go towards the food bank. And so that was kind of the beginning of something that was new and exciting, how the Lord was to work through that, um, where we would set up, you know, this system of, the patient bringing in the food, getting the food voucher for their dental treatment, and then the food going to the community bank. And there's a scripture that uh, came from that. It's from Proverbs chapter 11, in verse 24 and 25. If you have your Bibles, if you turn there for me. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. You know, the Bible, God's word, it gives us wisdom in every aspect of our life. Uh, as our dentist that spoke before me, not just in our in our personal life, how we live, but in our business affairs and how we, how we interact with our staff, how we interact with our patients, you know, how we lead and run our business. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25 says, 
There is one who scatters yet increases more, and there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. And so this verse spoke to me in that situation that, you know, if I'm afraid of us, you know, losing patience or losing money during the recession because the economy is going down, you're trying to hang on to all that you have, you end up, when you hang on to it, what happens? It just goes away, right? But when you scatter that out, you know, when you, when you give out God's blessings, and I forget which person said it earlier, what happens is we give out God's blessings. We're blessed all the more. And the most ironic thing happened during that time is our production went up, our collections went up, our profitability went up, and this was during the recession. And a lot of it was because of that, you know, applying God's principles, you know, to, uh, to our local office. Um, how many of you in this room, the people that have private practice, how many of you have had any situations in your office? Let's just take a moment. We open up for a bit of discussion where we can maybe exchange ideas because I think some of the best things we can take home is each other's ideas as we share. Um, what are some of the ideas or some of the things that the Lord has used particularly in your offices that has blessed you or your communities, your patients, or your staff? So for the sake of Audioverse, Dr. Chang had mentioned that uh, there was an eight-week wellness program they did in their office and how that blessed, you know, staff and his patients, that they weren't just interested so much in, you know, the dental or making money off of them, but providing them with the service and, and, uh, and sharing, you know, I'm sure the gospel during that time also. Thank you so much. Some, some other people, maybe some things that, that the Lord has done in your practices. Excellent, excellent idea. That was one of the things I had written down, but it's, it was called dental, with, 
dentistry from the heart, and it was where he does a, a day of free dental work there in his community. So the idea was actually, you know, I, like that, I, you know, both my wife and I are very uh, interested in mission work, and we used to do mission trips and stuff. But then I thought, well, I live in an area that there's so much need. You know, I mean, we're going out to these countries out there when right at home there's a need, right? So in meeting the need by actually having, you know, a, a day of free dental clinic, you know, there in the office, which when you look at probably a lot of times when you look at things from the accounting standpoint, the numbers, it doesn't make sense to do something for free. And not that we would do it so much to gain new patients or that we would do it to gain business. But when you follow your practice by the Bible, by giving, more is given back you know, to you. It's an, it's an excellent example of, of applying that. Yes. Thank you. I had a big experience uh, this year um, regarding also a man mission trip. I was called to go to Nepal in December. A patient of mine was um, uh, coming to my office and saw the whole preparation and he asked me about the project. I told him it's a Christian uh, project where we go to help people in Nepal. So he asked me if I'm interested to write an article in the city, so in the small uh, town. Uh, I told him, of course, uh, I'm open to, um, to tell you stories about what happened there. So um, after we came from Nepal, he told me that he will plan to do the article probably in February or March. So, um, I uh, waited, but something happened in the community that he said, okay, I think we have to put it probably on April. So I think no problem, it's upon you when you want to write the article. So then he came another time and said, told me, oh, now it's for sure we will write the article in May, so it will come in May. Uh, so he came into my office and uh, asked me a lot of questions what we did. And it was interesting, he was very interested to know about a man. So I told him it's a Christian organization which uh, work uh, in every part of the world and helping people. Uh, I didn't mention the name Adventist because it's like, uh, in Germany it's like a sect. So I just uh, uh, let it like amen. So uh, probably all of you know that uh, in the last April week, it was a big earthquake in Nepal. So the article came exactly one week after the earthquake. So the impact in the town was very big. So a lot of patients came and asked me about uh, the, the situation there. And it was a positive impact, and uh, I'm sure that some of the people search about Amen. Yeah. All right, Amen. Thank you. All right, some other things that's worked in our practices, some things that we could share with one another that we could help or encourage one another. Uh, in my practice, I have PVDs uh, from Anchor Point and other things that uh, talk about Daniel and prophecies. Yes. And so we put those out there for the patient staff, and 
Excellent. Two ideas mentioned there for the sake of Audioverse was one, having DVDs and books you know, to give out. A great resource is one we have right here with Amen, and that's the, uh, the Pathways to Health. Um, you, I think it's, the, how many of those are using it in their offices? It's like a four or five hour revolving DVD that plays health information. They're right here. You'll definitely want to tap into that because a lot of times you can put something on your TV and you don't know, you can't really screen what's going on out there, but this is an excellent resource, and they also have the cards where you can go on on their smartphones and you can get just a quick little blurb of you know, some health information. That's an excellent resource, excellent way to share. And the other one is, is using our, our practices. You know, it's great to invest the time in building a successful dental office or a successful medical or optometry office, and, that, and, the, and the key elements are you know, essential. But it's using that as a platform for the gospel. Using that, in other words, that's when we can actually begin our work. When we have the character of Christ, you know, we're not perfect. You know, we're all sinners, but, you know, going to the cross daily and, and seeking God for that character, going to the cross daily for that compassion where we can, you know, care about people, going for the cross daily for that competency that God will give us that competency and through training like we're doing here, and then hiding our practice behind the cross and using that as a platform then, we have you know, the ability to share with others um, in so many ways. And I appreciate the idea of you know, using our office as a, as a uh, center of influence, you know, using it for, you know, for free to kind of get, you know, to help take care of the needs, um, you know, using it for, um, uh, for pathways, I mean, for the Steps to Health programs, uh, meeting places, because in some of our communities they may not want to go to a church, but you know your patients may not mind coming to your particular office. Um, there's another neat, as you're thinking of ideas or things that maybe have, have worked for you, there's another idea that I think is a, is a great one for us to keep in mind, that's nursing home ministry. Nursing homes don't pay anything for dental work. Are you aware of that? I mean, very little. And it's very difficult for nursing home patients to get into our offices. And now some of you may be blessed to be in a community where you have the, the mobile dental units that go to your nursing homes, but um, in our particular community, it's a huge blessing. Once, maybe twice a year if possible, we go to the nursing home and actually pay my hygienist and my staff for that day. We'll go there. We're in a small community, so it's a smaller nursing home. We can cover the whole nursing home in about a half a day. And we go there and we just basically, we, you know, we of course talk to the administrator ahead of time and tell them what we're doing. Most of them are delighted to have a dental office come because by the state regulations, a lot of them have to be, you know, have their residents checked by a dentist or um, dental hygienist. Um, and it's very difficult to, you know, to, to hire people to come in, but you could volunteer that service if you're in a community or a small community. You could volunteer that service. 
the amount of money it costs you to pay your staff to go in for the day, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a loss, but the ministry you can provide for your community because one of the biblical principles, again, is, is taking care of who? Taking care of the widows, right? Those widowers. And a lot of those are widows that are in those nursing homes. And it's like what Christ would do, a way we can use our practice, our influence to, uh, to be a, a blessing or minister in our community. Chester. Dr. Clark mentioned too that another way of you know being Christ in the in a community is in helping to take care of those that are um, on the financial margin. You know specifically for those of us that are working with Medicaid. How many of you work with Medicaid in your office or in your community? It's challenging when you have a private practice. It is very challenging to balance that. We understand that financially, but you know somehow trying to work that as we prayerfully try to work that into our schedules because, you know, if we don't, who does? If we don't, who does? And, you know, what would Christ want us to do in our practices too? You know, it's, it's great to take care of just the rich because they pay well and allows for us to, you know, make nice equipment. And, you know, uh, and we need that. I mean, you need those finances. But to, you know, to balance our practice where we're also, you know, some states probably require a certain amount of, of the Medicaid, but to try to you know, take care of some of the Medicaid, whether we do it during certain hours, maybe certain days, um, certain percentage of your practice, that's, a, that's an excellent idea for using our, our practice as a center of influence. Okay? Yeah, excellent. Praise the Lord. Another way of being a center of influence is the music we listen to in our offices. Is the music the kind of music that we want to listen to in heaven? You know, if we're inviting angels in, if we're wanting the angels to be there working with us, then what kind of music do we be playing while we're there? And I, that was one of the things I also wrote down was the music as well. Music is a, is a key point. That literature in there, the music we listen to, because people associate that, oh, you're a Christian, got Christian music, or even if it's instrumental music, you know, if it's not a Christian lyric music, but, or hymns maybe even. Gospel, yeah. Depending on where you at, you're, you know, the, uh, you know, we're in the Appalachian Mountains. So we could probably get away with maybe a little bit of uh, banjo gospel music there, but, but uh, you know, appropriate for you know your your area, you know, Christian music. Excellent. Okay. Yes, sister. Very well. 
So another resource, now that'd be for the television, or is that for music? Yeah. So another waiting, a good, another waiting room, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Lots of ways that we can raise that flag of being a Christian office. I think that's key. You know, she mentioned praying with our staff before the doors opens. You know, if we're going to have a team that's going to have this in their minds, you know, we, we, we can't necessarily make them, you know, be a certain way, but we can certainly pray with them at the beginning of the day. Morning huddles are, you know, you always hear the, uh, the practice gurus say, it's so important to have a morning huddle. It is so important to have a morning huddle. Make that morning huddle part of your day and then pray during that day. Another great opportunity is, like in our office, um, the staff all are on this. We have a prayer journal that's in the back in, the, in our uh, morning meeting room. And anyone who's interacting with a patient, front office, uh, hygienist, um, doctor, assistant, and, there's a, and, and the person mentions maybe they've got a loved one that's going in for a surgery or somebody's going through something or something's happening, We'll say, we'll pray for you in our morning prayer time. And we'd write that name down so we don't forget. And then in the morning prayer time the next morning, we're praying specifically for that patient or for that need. You know, we definitely would be praying. We definitely be praying. Praying, sharing, you know, uh, you can share a brief scripture too during your staff meetings or your morning huddles, you know, to kind of get the focus. You are the leaders of your office. You know, don't, don't let the leadership, as Dr. Clark says, uh, be undone in your office. You know, you're each and every one in this room a leader, you know, for Christ. And you don't have to be dogmatic and bang them over the head, but in a loving way, you know, sharing that gospel, sharing with prayer, too. Excellent. Yes, sir. This may not be a suggestion, but I just wanted to hear your thoughts or, like, anybody's thoughts. And, you know, when you get out of control environment, like, or you can, like, you know, set up your own music, you're, let's say, in an academic environment, Right. Where I am right now, what do you do to be intentional about sharing the gospel? Yeah, the question is, is if you're, these are great ideas if you're in control of your environment, but what if you're not in control of your environment? You're working in an academic environment or, you know, for uh, someone else and, and they have a different philosophy. Um, we, can, we can be, you know, Christ-like in whatever environment we're in, even if there's, we don't have maybe control over what's being played or said and the way we treat someone you know, with our character, you know, with our competency, with our compassion, you know, we can touch that, that patient's life. Absolutely. Yes. So I, I work in the VA of Veterans Affairs as, as a physician. And obviously I don't have control over my waiting room. Right. And I'm in a government facility. facility. So I'm limited there also by other regulations. Right. Right. And I have control of that time and space. Right. And I have a little stack of books that, that I have some, sometimes quite visually available and sometimes covered up with papers. But uh, depending on the patient and the situation, I'll pull out a couple of different books and 
the opportunity in that sacred time. Right. And they're not going to bother you for that. Right. That was the idea. The idea. What's that? Yeah. Just like where, just like where Daniel is. Look at your example of Daniel in the Bible. Daniel was in an environment where he has no control over that, but we always have control over ourselves. You know, we're surrendering our lives to Christ and and praying for Christ to use us. And you may not be able to. You know, these are ideas. You know, for us to share with one another. And some may work in your situation. Some may not. But all of us have the have the choice to choose to surrender our lives to Christ. And to let Christ live in us, um, just like Daniel had that choice when he was in Babylon, too. So whatever your situation may be, if you're in a Babylon, so to say, in a work environment, would we'll be a Daniel. You know, we can, you know, we, we, you know, they, they cannot control our choices. You know, and they, make, they make and control the music and the things we give out. But, you know, the character that we have, you know, the integrity that we have, um, you know, the compassion that Christ wants to live in us and, and, the, and, the, and the competency in sharing that, we can be that. That, that, that individual, that person. I think if you have a heart and a desire to really be ministering and you're in an environment that's tough like that, I mean, it, it becomes a real struggle for us in prayer with the Lord to, to show us ways that we can uh, minister. Um, I, when I first started in practice, the first five years I was in a group practice. They were Christian necessarily, and I mean, they played the, the local rock radio station, and it was hard, in my heart, I wanted to be giving out literature and praying with my patients. Right. And it was difficult with that blaring over my head, you know. And I, and I really prayed, and, you know, the Lord opened up. It was, a, it was in the Beverly Hills of Lake Town where I was in group practice. But the Lord opened up a, I'm going to develop a missionary practice on the other side of the town in the not-so-Beverly Hills type of uh, setting. But, and and I, I was committed to one day a week there to have my missionary practice. And I tell you, after one year, I got so busy in the missionary practice that I, I left my group practice. Right. And, and the Lord, it just exploded. And the Lord can open those opportunities if that burden is on your heart. Right. Somehow, in that academic environment, through prayer, He can, he can open those ways. We don't know. The key is in whatever environment we're in, as you mentioned, brother, is, is prayer. That we're that our mind is, you know, talking to the Lord during the day and praying for that patient, even if that patient may not give you permission to pray with them, which we want to be doing when we have opportunity to. We can, in our minds, be praying for them that the Lord's going to be blessing them, and and open up those doors. And we're each in different situations, each in a different journey. But the one thing we have in common is we have the same Lord we serve, and we can we can be witnesses from our profession, whether it's by we own the practice and we have autonomy over that, or whether we are working for someone else, we still have autonomy over the type of care we're going to provide you know, for those patients and, and, and praying for those individuals, making an impact in their lives. I went to a seminar by Louis Torres, some of you know him, great evangelist, president of the Guam. And he, he said that Christ spent much of his time studying the faces of people. And, and people are giving off signals all the time, giving invitations of, you know, entering in and, and giving a word in season mm-hmm. to, to their, their, their need. And, and I think that's what we can do wherever we are, is just pause and actually watch people, listen to what they're saying, and enter into that moment, you know. And it, it's, uh, it's interesting to see what God will take.
The brother was sharing, and whatever that moment is, you know, studying the, the patient's face, being open to the Holy Spirit's leading, and then, you know, sharing with that, sharing with that individual when, you know, that time opens up. Great feedback back and forth. There's another great opportunity we have, too, and that's with some of these programs where we're starting to, you know, bind together. Um, how many of you have been a part of some of the larger groups we've come together? There's been... Uh, the Pathways to Health in San Antonio, San Francisco, um, the last ASI conference, there was a smaller one we had in Chattanooga also. How many of you guys have been a part of something larger than just your individual practice? That's great. That's something else we can take opportunity to, you know, if, you, you know, if you're a little bit hesitant on going, you know, overseas mission trip, like uh, Brother uh, Chang did with, you have mosquitoes all over your net and all of that. Another great missionary opportunity is with these programs, we can bind together and make a huge impact as we come together. Um, in a large scale, like in San Antonio, for those of us that was a part of that, you know, we treated, how many, Chester was, we, how many patients did we treat there, over 6,000? In a couple of days, we saw over 6,000 patients, all of us together, and, and it was, I think, what was it, was there 40 to 60 dentists that was there? 1,100 dental procedures there? So coming together, we can do great things. These are opportunities we can all do. We could block off our vacation time for this, join together for that. Um, Another thing is bring your staff with you. You know, especially if they're not evidence, bring them. Like just this last, from the Chattanooga clinic that we had a couple weeks ago, my staff was, was she's a Pentecostal, very good Christian. But she just told me that their pastor this last Sunday was talking about our office to his congregation about how we were out there serving the community. Yeah. You don't know where it's going to go. That's right. You know? But yeah, bring your staff and, and it's a great influence. These are the kind of things we want. He said, you know, it was he brought his staff along with him, and then she's talking back at her church. She's Pentecostal, and then in that church, they're talking about what's going on in his office and in our church. That's exactly what we want. Is that center of influence where? People are, are being involved in that ministry, and then you know, we're uplifting the name of Christ in, in the things that we do, and however the Lord involves us in our community. I, mean, I, I, invited, I invited my patients to go. They've been on some of our mission trips. They're not Everest, somewhere. Who just, you know, they enjoy the trip, and they go get it. And one of the patients I invited, she ended up going to San Diego for the event. And she, because of that interest, she came to the church a couple weeks before. And Praise the Lord. So not only inviting our staff, but also our patients to come along on these. I'd also challenge you to invite your families to come along on these. And a lot of you are very uh, close with your families and you take your families everywhere. But same thing like we were mentioning earlier, taking your families on a mission trip or, you know, on these, uh, on these opportunities where we come together like Pathways to Health or, you know, the Amen conferences, that's also a great opportunity. Um, one final thing in closing, too, um, in our local church, um, I know a lot of you are leaders in your local churches, and praise God for that. You know, God's placed you there. And there's ministry that we can do with our local church and in our practice. We're in a small town of Blue Ridge is where I live. Population, we're, you know, less than 20,000 in a whole county, about 2,500 in our little city. And our little church is a church of probably about, you know, 80 to 100 people. That may be the profile of a number of you you know, that, that fit in here.
And so as we made out our youth schedule, that's one of my responsibilities at church as one of the youth leaders, is we're making out a youth schedule for this coming year, meaning last July, making a youth schedule for August through the end of the next school year. We were prayerfully looking at some things that our youth group could do um, in outreach. And guess what one of the things was that came up? Why don't we do a free clinic like we did at Pathways to Health but in our small community? So we have a medical doctor in our, our, uh, our church and there was a mechanic in our church and he said, hey, I can work on cars. And there was a guy that works on, one of the teenagers works on computers. You know, they're better than we are with work on computers. He says, I can work on computers. As it stands right now, on November 13th in our local community, um, we've got, I think, 13 different providers, you know, dentists, physicians, uh, nurses, uh, the mechanic, the lawyer, psychologist, that are coming together for a small-scale program, but it's large for our community, uh, for free to provide services for a day. And the youth are the ones kind of leading out and, you know, organizing this thing and then helping the people get, you know, to and fro on the, on the events that day. Advertisement in the paper. You talk about good for business, it's good for business. You talk about good for your church, it's good for your church. Advertisement for your church. Your community, it's good for your community because you're meeting those needs there. And then, of course, the bridge is to bring them, you know, to the foot of the cross. You know, bring them, you know, to the gospel. Sharing them, what, what's the reason you would do this? You know, it's not, it's not just to, you know, provide a free service, but it's because of the love of the Christ, you know, in us. We want to, you know, share the gospel, uh, you know, with, with them, with you. And so there's so many opportunities we have. First of all, we don't have that opportunity if, you know, you're all professionals, so you've got that. But just because you are professional, if we don't have the character and the competency and the compassion, we lose our platform. It's undermined. Once we have that, then we can begin ministering, you know, our patients, to our staff, to our communities, and our church, you know, other churches as, as well. That it just, the Lord can lead each of us in great ways. And so for each of us, the challenge is for us to go home or even tonight before you go home and prayerfully consider what does the Lord want me to do, meaning each of us? What does the Lord want us to do? How can we use the talents and abilities that the Lord has given us to serve him in what way in the environment we're in? And the Lord will lead and guide and direct in that. Let's pray together at this time as we wrap up our time together. Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you. And as a group of professionals, we want to come together before you at this time and commit ourselves to you in service. We ask that, Lord, if there's things that are separating us from a closer walk with you, you reveal those to us. We want to lay those at the foot of the cross. If there's things that, that were blind spots to us in our own lives that are keeping us from being a greater influence for you, that you reveal those things to us also, Father, that we can lay those at the foot of the cross. We pray that your Holy Spirit will lead God and direct each and every one of us, that we can uplift your name in our communities, that we can be lights and witnesses for you. We thank you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org.